America, my name is Armiose Frimpong, and we are coming to you live to talk about three things. Tom Cotton, Joe Biden, and the 1619 Project. And how do they all fit together? And I'm going to tell you. Tom Cotton uh, introduced a bill to prevent schools from teaching the 1619 Project. If you don't know, the 1619 Project was a uh, little booklet. I have a copy of it. Copy's right there. I have a, a, a booklet put out by the New York Times last year about how maybe the United States government has been institutionally racist. And maybe it was even before it was racist before there was a United States government, which means that there are arguments to be made that the revolution, the American Revolution, where we threw off the yoke of King George, was uh, at least partially and primarily one of the primary reasons uh, for it because was because the threat of emancipation, right? So in, I want to say 1772, there was a famous case called Somerset in, uh, in London where the judge ruled that there will be no slaves in England proper. Right. And so the idea was that with that ruling, one, fugitive slave laws go just out the window. That means if you escape to England, it doesn't matter. Like you, you made it. England's like free, free. <laughs> uh, England would be like England proper would be free, free uh, in the game of tag. They couldn't come and get you and send you back. Right. So what that would do to fugitive slave laws, um, I'll talk about in a second. But. It also kind of signaled, and this is like legitimate history. Like, this isn't controversial. It signaled that the British Empire was getting ready to get rid of slaves throughout all of the colonies. It was moving in that direction. Right? So then you come to the United States, and there's this some, there's something called it's the Edict of Dunmore, or Lord Dunmore's proclamation in 1775, where he said to Virginians, look, Virginians, if you throw off your colonist masters and side with the British government, uh, well, you're free, right? Against your slave masters, like, you're free. We'll, we'll grant you freedom, right? So that was the Edict of Dunmore. And you know what? People took them up on it. And in Georgia, I'm in Georgia right now, the history of Georgia, is like, it, even the official history of Georgia says, it, yes, they were very scared of slave insurrections, that was a pressing fear. Look, do you know how many people in Georgia were scared to vote for Barack Obama? Uh, because they were worried that if a black man became president, like, he was going to take all of their stuff. You know, so many people thought that, that he didn't win any place in the South, really. He won Missouri, which I guess is a slave state. And uh, he won Missouri in 2008. I don't think he won in 2012. But I'm just saying that that's still the... Like one of the great fears of white people for reparations is that once black people are made whole, they're going to start like becoming white to white people. And they don't want that. <laughs> like there's a way in which they're scared of their kind of justice. The good news is our kind of justice is a little bit more magnanimous than their kind of justice. So I don't know what to tell you. But yes, the Southerners were scared of mass slave interactions. And England was serious about abolition so we have to take that seriously we have to take that fear seriously because that fear is still with us today white people are still scared that if black people come into power we are going to want justice and we're going to upset their comfortable life 
So it's not as if some sort of it's some sort of foreign fear. It would be like uh, you know the people who. Trump won in 2016. When they write the book on Trump winning in 2016, they're going to say, well, he won because of economic anxiety, or he won because of feckless democratic politics, and he won because of xenophobia, or he won because he was securing, he promised to secure white supremacy. There's a way in which all of that is true. And if you take any one of those things away, you kind of don't tell the story, including Trump winning on he was going to restore, you know, the dignity and the proper orderliness of white rule to America. That was part of his appeal. It was, it, he won Mississippi and he won Wisconsin. He didn't win Mississippi and he didn't win Wisconsin for the same reasons necessarily. But, you know, they all kind of fit together in a constellation that was kind of reified in Trump. That means made manifest or thingified. That, that was Trump. Right? So if you, forget, if you tell a story that leaves out any of those reasons, then you're not telling the complete story and you're distorting people's kind of conception of reality. And we don't, I trigger a lot of white anxiety with this show because I think that's what justice is going to go through. It's going to go through white anxiety. So I, it's kind of like a controlled burn. I just kind of set it on fire it's like I just, and, and, and let it go. And then once you see me come back every week, I haven't been, you know, I've been taken out. You say like, oh, yeah, I can actually tell the truth to white people about white people. And if I do get taken out, one, I have a very nice life insurance policy. Two, um, I do not forgive anybody. I need you to burn everything. Like, I want everything going up in flames. I forgive no one. There will be no justice in America if something happens to me because I'm very fit. And, you know, I eat my greens so if anything happens to me, I did not die by my own hand. I love my kids. I'm very happy. I just love justice more, or at least as much. Or, you know, I want a just world for my kids. So just let everybody know that if something happens to me, because I do get death threats pretty much daily, if something happens to me, I do not forgive anyone. Burn it down. Whatever it is, burn it down. So now that I've gotten my unofficial life policy, uh, life insurance policy out of the way, let's talk about the 1619 Project, right? So the 1619 Project, the first essay was like, you know, the, the Edict of Dunmore and the Somerset case scared colonists <laughs> and uh, the revolts in, in uh, the, the West Indies, like they scared colonists. So if you were a colonist and you had to worry about who was going to secure me my property, and by property they mean Negroes, or who was going to be a threat to my property, they wanted the, the colonial government that was going to secure them their property, which means they're black people. So yeah, there were many reasons for the revolution. The reasons in Boston were not the same as the reasons in Savannah, Georgia. I say that because Gwinnett, the guy from Savannah, Georgia, was a planter. <laughs> like I don't like he, I, the idea that, and in order to become an elector in in Georgia at the time, you needed over a hundred acres. So the idea that people with over a hundred acres of farming land and slaves were not moved by or feared the prospect of a slave insurrection, which is actually attested. They feared the prospect of a slave insurrection. And they didn't fear King George um, just emancipating slaves out from under them is just is ludicrous. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. 
John Adams wasn't moved by it as much. He was actually a legit abolitionist. But, like, at the time, your friends from Virginia, Washington Adams, I mean, Washington um, uh, Jefferson and Madison came on the scene a little bit later. But, like, they were, they were slavers. They, and Madison, he liked his property. He, he, he wrote a, uh, a little paper on property that said, actually, property aren't rights. Rights are just property. Property is actually like what's really important. Rights are just kind of a form of property. Whereas I think property is a form of rights. So like there's a huge difference in that. <laughs> like, so And property, he was meaning by your ideas and your black people. So Madison, not all of these founding fathers, all of these presidents were, you know, huge racists. George Washington died, not by fighting the British, not by the stress of American governance. He died, and he, while like up until his death, he was chasing runaway slaves. Uh, her name was Ona Judge. You can just Google her, Ona Judge. Yeah, she did what the British couldn't, exhausted Washington to death. All right, but... And then Madison was a huge slaver, and, and Jefferson, you know, he, if you're raping slaves, you're raping slaves. Like, I don't understand people who think that the founding fathers weren't racist. And now you're thinking, what does that have to do with Joe Biden? Well, here you go. No sitting president has ever done this. Never, never, never. No Republican president has done this. No Democratic president. We have racists. And they've existed. They've tried to get elected president. He's the first one that has. No sitting president. Joe Biden saying that Trump is the first racist president. What does that mean, people? Joe Biden says, well, it means a few things. Joe Biden is a rube. But it also means, and history is full of this, historical actors do not know their place in history. Like, Joe Biden's dumb. He's also historically significant. He was in the room where it happened for many things, many years. He's also dumb. He's a rube. So people, but it's actually indicative of America. We are so kind of non-self-reflective that we don't know what we do or who we are. Joe Biden has no idea who he is. We can elect him president. We can't. Doesn't matter. It's definitely clear that he has no idea who we are or what the office of the president is or how it functions in government. He doesn't know. Doesn't mean he might not be, he might be president. He was definitely senator for decades. Um, he's, this is his entire life. He still doesn't know his job or the country or the office. Doesn't matter. But like we also know, I mean, this is this is just indicative of a lot of other people in American life who, even as they're acting within the office, don't know who they are or what they're doing. They have a distorted notion of reality. So Tom Cotton wants to get rid of the 1619 project in public schools, in schools, so that we just keep producing rubes like Joe Biden into infinity. I would rather not do that. I want, um, you know, a, a different kind of history in in our schools for a few reasons. Orwell says it, I think, the best, and I kind of believe it's true. If you if you control the past, you control the future, and if you control the present, you know the past. 
Right? That's what he said. I'm going to take it an another further because I'm the funky academic. I try to go a little bit deeper. That means if you want to fight for the future, that means the first fight has to be in taking control of the past. Right? Because as long as the ground is laid in that past for um, <laughs> like the black oppression is grounded in the notion of history that Joe Biden has in his hand. And you have to know, you, have to, you understand that when, when Joe Biden says Trump is the first racist president, Andrew Jackson, I want to say Hayes too, but definitely Andrew Jackson and Woodrow Wilson were so racist. I'll throw in Hayes too, why not? Andrew Jackson, Hayes, now Andrew Jackson, Andrew Johnson, Hayes, and Woodrow Wilson were all so racist, were all so very racist, that if you tell them that they weren't racist, they'll be pissed off in their graves. That's how racist they were. Like, Woodrow Wilson demoted every black person who worked in the federal government, like a mass demotion, because he couldn't stand the idea of black people supervising white people. Like that's, like Andrew Jackson killed so many Indians, like I, 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 like it's impossible, and Lincoln too, like people think, Lincoln was a white man's president, he wasn't, he killed so many Native Americans um, and was in support of it, like cause he was a, a, a white supremacist. I don't understand people who, actually I do understand, I do understand, right? It's a psychological tick though. It's a variety of sociopathy. We don't want to know how bad we are because then we don't want to have to suffer the work of actually making it better, right? So you can, have, you can tell yourself all the story about how Thomas Jefferson had an affair with one of his slaves. Thomas Jefferson had an affair with one of his slaves. Do you think she was in a position to consent? Your founding father was a rapist. Was a rapist. You, do you think Sally Hemings ever said no? Do you think Sally Hemings ever said maybe? You think Sally Hemings didn't want to cut Thomas Jefferson's throat? I don't know what to tell you. But, uh, yeah. So where do we go from here? Well, we go to the opening. All right, I'll see you at the end of the opening. To the beach, oh. Oh, yeah. Never change the ways for the world or the government If it was the president, then I would state facts You leave it up to me, I'll paint the White House black And it can feature in your front America, so if you want a free future, you need to take control of the past You know who did this very well? In Chicago, right? So they had this guy, Burge, uh, who was torturing people from the you know, 70s and 80s Just, just torturing random Negroes because he wanted it, and he got the whole force on it. There was a captain, um, and then he retired, got a boat in Florida, and was living his life, but toward the end of his life, all the charges kind of came out, and they finally got him, and they brought him back, and he served a little bit of jail, and then he died, right? But one, or they settled the case. And one of the aspects of the settlement was that they teach the history of Burge's torture in Chicago public schools. I think that's great. I think that's great because if you you have to know who you're dealing with, if you 
for you to set expectations about, you know, the prospects of justice and what justice entails. Right? So if you want justice in the future, you need everyone to kind of have the same ground or the same body of knowledge about what the past entails and who we are, who we are. What Joe Biden is saying is that racism will never penetrate the highest echelons of U.S. government. I'll say it. The argument that Joe Biden was making behind the argument was that racism will never penetrate or penetrated only one time in the body of Donald Trump the highest echelons of U.S. government. What I'm saying as U.S. government was founded to secure, was partially founded to secure racism. And George Washington, <laughs> our first president, was a racist, was like an actual racist. He wrote in his will trying to, to, to let the slaves go after his wife died. Not even after he died, but after his wife died. And not just like, he had like short of 200, I think it fluctuated from 150 to 300 slaves. Like his wife could have gotten on with like one slave. But no, they all stayed until she died. And then that was that. Was that. Um. So yeah, George Washington racist, like like they were all racist. And George Washington like fought for and signed the Fugitive Slave Act, which you look, you have to understand, Southern people were not at the time big Democrats in terms of like, you know, town hall meetings and deliberative democracy and the kind of things like we talk about in New England town meetings, like those kind of democratic infrastructures. That was not the South. The South was an aristocracy, like little fiefdoms. Right. And so what they wanted, so what the northerners wanted out of government and what the southerners wanted out of government, two different notions of government. Right. Two different notions of government. The problem is. Uh, so how do I put this clearly? The problem is when we think. Oh, just think about it today. What do southerners want out of their government? They want their government to secure their property and their safety. And in. In the body of slaves, that's two things. That means I, I need you to um, keep my slave from killing me. And also, I need you to go get my slave when they run away. That's all they want out of government. That's all the Southerners wanted out of government. Government was just intrusive unless it was keeping my slaves from killing me or securing them back to me when they get away. If, they're not, if government's not securing my property, then it's got no place in my life. Has that really changed too much? Well, what we've decided what is properties changed a little bit, but like that's still kind of the southern way of thinking about government. Right? So you have to understand that uh, you know, the slavers took slavery very seriously and thought that the primary function of government, Madison said this, the primary function of government is to protect property. Property in like in the American South was Negroes. It was us. So the primary reason that they wanted a functional government was something for something like the Fugitive Slave Act, which Washington passed in the second Congress. That means the United States has been the United States for like 10 minutes. And they're like, all right, we need a fugitive slave law. Why have, why have states if I can't, <laughs> if your state is going to stop me 
from like that's like that's that's the only kind of federalism they believed in. Why even have states? We can't agree on money. We can't agree on banking. But what we can agree on is that like if my property runs over to your state, I want to take them back. In fugitive the fugitive slave law. So that was 1793. The second Congress did that. We've been a nation for two minutes. They're like, we got to get this on the books. And it went, like, I think the vote, because remember, there were, there were not too many people in Congress at the time. I, I want to say it was uh, 40, 47 to 3 or 43 to 7. Anyway, a lot of people were fine with the fugitive slave law. They, didn't, they weren't screaming states' rights then. They were screaming, no, slaves escape. We have to send them back to their master. Um, so... And that was 1790. Washington happily signed that, gleefully signed that. He was put there to sign that law in 1792. 1792, it passed Congress. 1793, it, it went into law. So if we don't teach the past, we're going to be confused about what kind of nation this is and what kind of people we produce. Right? We'll be confused by the notion that White people are still scared. I mean, I, I have emails every day of people who are scared of me coming into some sort of power and taking all their stuff. I'm not going to take all your stuff. We have 90, 90 some odd trillion dollars in private wealth in the United States. Um, actually, a lot of that might be Bezos now. Anyway, we have 90, uh, we have 90 trillion dollars. 90, well, it was 106, but I'm sure the pandemic took a hit out of that. But we have around $90 trillion in private wealth in the United States. I only want like $11 trillion from black people. I'm not taking all your stuff. And most white people, you're not even going to notice. I mean, you might notice when black people stand up a little bit straighter. But like that's, you're not going to notice. It's not, I'm not taking it from you. Um, 1% doesn't watch my show. What else do you need to know about how history works so history works because if you want a free future you need in a democratic society you need everybody to be clear about who we are and how what government does and what government can do badly right so government can um you know put forth an fha that racialized property values the entire suburbs in the 20th century you have to know about the new deal fdr you know, wanted a new deal for everybody. The Southern Democrats, who are a lot of Democrats at the time, said, no, we like our Negroes where they are. And then FDR was like, really? I'd rather, I'd rather have everybody in it. And the Southern Democrats said, no. And he was like, all right, screw the Negroes. And that was it. That was it. Like, FDR put up like this much of a fight. Kind of like the fight he put up for Japanese internment. Like, ah, nah. So FDR, like, the, at the highest level, just gave up like, just capitulated to racists. Not even capitulated. Capitulated means he put up a fight. He was like, all right, well, I tried. Um, so, yeah, I hope that's clarified. And you have to understand, when he gave up to racists, he said all farm workers and domestic workers were exempt from Social Security and, like, like all the New Deal programs. You know what that means? At the time, I think 75% of the Southern workforce was farm workers or domestic help, or 60% of the nationwide black workforce was, 75% uh, of the black Southern workforce were farm workers and domestic help. 60% of, of the nation's black workers were farm workers and domestic help. So like that's pretty much just 
cutting out all your your grandparents. Right. So I hope that's, and even if it doesn't cut out your grandparents, it's not like they were employees. There are a few like black shop owners, but you know, pretty much the New Deal was not for us. The New Deal was not for us. It emboldened racist unions in a way that just kind of kept them racist. <laughs> uh, so it was it was a it was a white populist program for white populists. And he was a racist president. He did racist things as president through the office of president. So what Joe Biden is telling you is that racism cannot ever leak up to the highest level of of government. Remember, even Barack Obama got elected because he was the kind of Negro who said there is no black America, there is no white America, there's just the United States of America. The problem is there is very much a black America and there's very much a white America. And you can look at any wealth graph and that'll show you. I don't have my famous wealth graph here. But if you watch the show, you know which wealth graph I'm talking about. There is a black America. So like he was saying that I will continue the lie of white supremacy if you elect me president. And that was that I mean that's how we got elected. At least the first time. And the second time. <laughs> like, um, so I hope this has been clear. I hope oh, action item. You need to start taking over your school board. Your teachers are chicken shits. There's always a reason to be a chicken. I know we're supposed to protect teachers and say, oh, they care so much. No, black people, your teachers are chicken shit when it comes to like actually teaching race. And they can't and they don't know, right? So you can't teach what you don't know, and teachers are cowards. Your pastor's probably a coward too, so you gotta get rid of them and put in a liberation theology pastor. Or start a liberation theology church. But you definitely have to like take over your school board and train your teachers and give teachers cover and actually train them then get them cover and then like get your good ones in because they're not going to teach your kids uh the truth and you think man you think this online content of that's being delivered to schools is actually going to tell the truth about race no so we need teachers who aren't cowards but they're not going to be developed through our regular teaching schools. so we need our people on school boards that's the fight so there's your action item Look to see how you get on your school board. And this is these are fights we can win. That's only like a thousand votes in most of towns. I mean in bigger towns it's more. But like, you know, you can get on a school board without I don't know, without too much. So we should think about those kind of fights. And then when you do, you can have them watch this video. When you're on the school board, you can just make everybody sit down and watch me right now. By the way, if you like what I'm doing, go ahead and give to www.thefunkyacademic.com. I, you know, I produce, I take on a lot of risk. I eat a lot of risk for the quality of knowledge I dispense every you know, Friday. And uh, it would be nice if that risk were rewarded with, you know, rent. <laughs> I didn't fall for unemployment. I depend on you. Although I feel kind of like a, feel kind of like a sucker for not filing for unemployment. Although, I'm, you know, I go back to work. I don't get paid in the summer, but I go back to work, um, you know, next week teaching the kids logic and critical thinking. Anyway, thank you for your time, and I hope you've learned something. How we teach history matters because how we teach history, like, it's kind of a launching pad through to the future. You got to think of the present as just kind of like the tip of the spear of the past as it hurdles towards the future. It's a good, it's a good little metaphor the present is the tip of the spear of the past as it hurdles towards the future so you got to change the past 
through the present if you want to change the trajectory of the future. Thank you for your time, and I will see you next week.